Hello, welcome to the Event Makers Podcast. My name is Tarzan and I'm joined by Craig. Say hello, Craig. Hi, Tarzan. How are you today? You've ruined the bet. Today, we are joined by the world-trotting Rami, a travel journalist in Destination PR. Please give yourself an introduction. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thank you very much for allowing me to be part of this uh, podcast. I know it's a, a new initiative and I listened to the first one and it was it was really cool, really interesting. Um, so as Tarzan says, I'm a um, destination PR and uh, travel journalist. Um, I've had a 20 plus year career in, in tourism, maybe a bit more. Just shows you how old I'm getting. Not at, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and basically what that means is that um, I've spent most of my time as a, a national tourism organization PR manager. The, uh, I spent 17 years with a career tourism organization in London. I then, even when I was working for them, I was still a travel journalist. I managed to do both careers alongside each other. So when I um, finally ended my tenure with the career tourism organization, um, I then went into fully into travel journalism, specifically talking about the mice market, although uh, you know I have a broad range of publications that I work for. And then currently, I've started working for the High Tatras Mountains and the Liptov region of Slovakia. And um, I've been doing P PR for them for probably the last year now as their UK representative, which is absolutely fascinating. Um, so I've gone from a, a, a national PR manager doing um, covering a whole destination to a region of a country, which is focused and really good. Thanks very much, Rami, and it's great to, to have you here to share that. You say old, we'll call it experience. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, th I think it's certainly something that a lot of people can certainly learn from, understanding different elements of the the mice and the events industry, for sure. Just to let people know, we're panoptic events, and we've always had education at the core of what we do. When the pandemic hit, we decided to focus more on gaining and sharing knowledge. We've been looking at a lot of interesting things happening in events across the world, and been writing a lot of blogs and articles that we've been putting through LinkedIn, and we've reached out to lots of suppliers in different countries to keep up with the latest events and innovations. And through platforms like Clubhouse, we've been able to share that knowledge and uh, also which has led on to the podcast. And it's to give us something more kind of permanent on the web where people can learn and educate themselves from. And we want to talk to the innovators, the people that we did not away for events, the event makers. Um, and we want to speak to all sorts of events professionals within the industry. So today I'm glad uh, that Rami's taken some time to come and talk with us and share this knowledge that he's got from the tourism background, from a journalistic side of things. And, and Rami, just, I'm going to be interviewing the journalist. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bit strange, but don't worry, I'll throw some questions back at you. Don't oh, worry I, don't, I don't doubt it, I don't doubt it. <laughs> First up, how have you coped the last year? Like you speak about obviously Korea, you spoke about Slovakia, and we obviously met in uh, Vilnius in Lithuania. You know, how, how have you coped the last year? What have you been up to? Well, th this was the amazing thing, wasn't it? That um, literally after you and I met in, in Vilnius for Convene, the whole sort of world came to a standstill. And, you know, the, the travel industry plummeted. And certainly as a travel journalist, that really was a, a, a difficult period, you know, where no one actually knew what was ahead. But what I was really surprised by was how the industry, especially looking from a mice perspective, because that was the reason I was out in Vilnius with you, was that I was there as a um, hosted press. So I was covering, you know, the latest innovations in, in the mice market, etc. But at that time, no one could have foreseen what was about to happen. But that's what I mean about uh, how innovative the mice market can be and how adaptable they were. Hybrid and virtual um, technologies came to the fore in an incredibly quick manner. And I think that has saved a lot of businesses, kept a lot of people in touch, kept us networking. And through that, I've been able to carry on with my journalism, but just approaching it in a different way. Instead of going out to a destination and being shown that destination, coming back and writing about it, I've been able to look at the impact of new technologies, look at the impact of how destinations are now finding ways in, in terms of promoting themselves. I mean, it's been really, really innovative. And both you and I, Craig, have been 
you know, on, on quizzes, on um, workshops, etc. Melia Hotels being one that has been really, really clever in, in putting together these, these live, live virtual uh, workshops. I mean, I've been on one of theirs where we, we, they went live to the Serengeti. Then, then the next person we spoke to was in Iguazu in Argentina, and then they rolled over to Dubai. Um, and each of the hotels that they support were showing some kind of fabulous piece of experiential uh, activity. So it was, for me, the, the, the way to, I've managed my uh, way through this pandemic has been um, basically by reporting on the way people have adapted, which has been fantastic. Love that. Absolutely love that. To be in three countries in one day without even leaving your house. I've been to a number of events like that and I'm very familiar with the kind of Serengeti one. I was at a very similar event and going on a safari whilst being in the kitchen was just great, you know. <laughs> getting that flavour of the country and getting a flavour of the culture, you know, and it's been excellent. Um, another one I've just to point out I was on was a Mexican cooking class um, and it was showcasing the destination and with video just seamlessly drifted into the kitchen uh, where the chef was there and it was now a live feed and um, we were kind of prompted in advance to go and buy various ingredients and be prepared and had the screen set up in the kitchen before then going to make these amazing Mexican enchiladas and it was just fantastic to Brilliant. have that. Um, in, in some ways we're, we're learning more in the current climate than we would have done in normal circumstances <laughs> because you know maybe a national tourist office would would invite you along to an event and you would have that fairly uh, standard process where you'd get a presentation, you do the drinks networking, um, and then, you know, there'd be a prize drawer and you'd go off home. But what would you actually learn about the destination? I know presentation, that's the reason for it, but, but a lot of times people switch off a little bit and how much of that data goes in. But if you're actually doing something in your kitchen, you're cooking, you're learning a specific part about that culture. And, that, and that, that's really important in, in understanding the destination and getting the, the reasons to write about it, getting the reasons to want to visit and, and being able to promote that to, to all of your audiences. So there has been you know, this um, advantage or, or legacy to um, forcing destinations to adapt and, and show different parts of their culture in innovative ways. You know, even if that means, you know, by sending out uh, boxes of food to households all across the UK, I think that, that's, that's an amazing thing. And as you just said, Craig, that has had an impact on you when, when you know, talking about Mexico. Definitely, definitely. What, what do you think has been like the biggest innovation or, the big, or something that's had the biggest sort of impact on yourself in the last year? I, I, I suppose I've got to come back to that virtual platform. You know, the amount, the different scope of platforms that are now available, the knowledge that I could have adapted so quickly to networking virtually, which is something that would have been a much slower process had the pandemic not hit. You know, there would have still been a real want to say, oh, I, I'm going to go into London um, and, and meet up rather than, you know, doing it virtually. I think just being able to have run a business from your home, from your laptop, was not something that I was thinking about, you know, before March 2020. Um, but now, you know, a whole new world has kind of opened up. And, you know, I, I, I definitely um, like it, but obviously we all want a bit of face-to-face. -face. So there is that hybrid legacy, which I think will, will continue in the, into the future. No, definitely. There's something to be said about the face-to-face -face and actually getting back to the travel and going to these events. Is, have you found any destinations or discovered any destinations in the last year that maybe weren't on your radar? Not, not necessarily discovering new destinations, but better understanding destinations that I've known of. So, um, you know, whether it be Turkey or, or Italy or, um, you know, as I said, discovering hotels within certain regions, courtesy of Amelia Hotel Group, that has been, um, you know, the eye-opener that, you know, you can say you've been to a country, but you've only been to a, a specific part of it and maybe haven't explored other areas. So um, for me, it's been, you know, um, 
fantastic to to be on a journey with a particular brand and i keep going on about the media because that's the one i've done the most but um they've they've had almost weekly um virtual workshops where they've taken you to uh, new areas but literally through the revolving doors of the hotel and they've done that virtually so you've 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 had a view of their hotel but then they've taken you into the wider area or ecosystem of, of that area and that's where i've um, really benefited and um, and they've been clever in in putting that together so quickly but it depends on the size of the uh, brand or the hotel group melia has tentacles all over the world so being able to to bring that all together is a very maybe it's easier for them than, than a smaller operator no, definitely i've been in a few of their hotels i think i've stayed in berlin cape verde and various others uh, throughout i think it's eight now um i do like the brand and i like what they're doing um fantastic facilities anywhere we go in the world with them yeah so it's, good, it's good to hear they've translated that online and make you want to go to these destinations more you know absolutely yeah yeah so a sideways note now Rami, you told me earlier that you and Craig met in a really unconventional way and your friendship kind of blossomed from this strange, very strange <laughs> meeting that you had. So tell us some of this. How how did you know Craig and what on earth happened in Lithuania? <laughs> well, this is the uh, beauty of being in the travel industry, isn't it? That, that <laughs> you're, you're brought together in, in some uh, city somewhere in the world, but... Um, Actually, the, the first time I met Craig was the very first evening event. Um, go, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was the library. We're going up the stairs and, and, and Craig was sort of doing what Craig does, which is either revolving around people or people revolving around him. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we sort of said that we'd catch up over a beer later on and we did exactly that. And um, our... Certainly, sport was a, a key factor in, in our discussions. We both are big supporters of um, different clubs, but football and uh, sport in general. And, and Craig has done a lot of uh, sports-related events as well. So um, there was a kind of meeting of minds. Um, but as the um, days of the conference progressed, um, <laughs> we would, uh, well, we found in our hotel that there was a um, very good spa and um, decided that that would become our new uh, office, as it were. So we, after a long day at the uh, conference centre, we'd get back um, immediately. Uh, we'd say, right, five minutes, up to your room, get changed, get, get back down to the spa. And we'd sit in the uh, sauna and then the jacuzzi um, discussing everything from, from sport to what, what uh, Craig's vision was for, for the following year. And, and the thing was that Craig had been telling me that this is the kind of um, way that he plans ahead. He goes out into nature, either on his bike or whatever. And, and that is a, a way that he can, you know, future uh, forecast for, for his business. So they, essentially we were doing that. And, and funnily enough, out of that um, uh, experience, I wrote an article on how you can take your meetings into any environment um, uh, and that's something that um, uh, I, I've written another article, which has just come out in Conference and Meetings World magazine in the current issue, which was about um, cryotherapy freeze frames healthy meetings. Now, cryotherapy has always been the preserve of athletes trying to overcome injury. But actually, you know, uh, Aqua City in the High Tatras Mountains, what, what, what they were doing, this was pre-COVID, was um, trying to attract mice groups to come, use all of the spa facilities, but one of the, the standouts was how cryotherapy boosts your mood. So mm. the, the delegates would go into these um, chambers. One was at minus 60, if you can believe, and that's the acclimatization. Then you walk into another uh, chamber, which is a minus 125, and you stay in there for, for two minutes, and you're literally wearing a mask, um, a pair of boxer shorts and some clogs. That's <laughs> all you have to protect yourself. And you, you, you kind of march around for two minutes um, and then beg to be led out. Um, <laughs> and, and then when you get out, um, you have to 
sort of jump on a on, on a, a bike um, to to warm yourself up and and to get the blood flowing again. But what it's supposed to do is, is boost your mood. That that's the key thing. Um, and then your meeting would take place, and you 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 would be buzzing. So uh, essentially, it, it promotes creativity. And and the the preceding meeting we had, I must admit, it worked. I felt a lot more engaged, a lot more awake. Um, and, and it was just a unique way of trying to get the best out of the dele delegates who were present. So, you know, that's something that I'm promoting alongside the High Tetris, uh, apart from obviously uh, the natural surroundings, which are amazing. Um, but I'm sure we'll get to talk about that um, a bit more. But, um, you know, they are sitting um, real pretty at the moment because everybody is talking about sustainability, uh, about green experiences, about, um, you know, outdoor holidays, space, um, mm -hmm. forest, forest bathing, all of these kind of things. And um, that region, when, you know, the, the travel corridors and things really open up, I think it's going to be much in demand. And um, it, it's an absolutely stunning, stunning part of the world. And I'm already talking with different um, uh, event agencies um, about creating various incentives within the resort. I'm just uh, feeling put to shame at the moment, just listening to that cryotherapy, 100, <laughs> minus, minus 125 <laughs> um, this morning. I love, obviously, you know, I love swimming. Um, so jumping into the plunge pool just after uh, my swim, usually, you know, I'm probably still sitting in positive uh, Celsius, you know, uh, <laughs> doing that. Um, there's actually, talking of football and um, the cryotherapy, there's actually a scene in the All or Nothing documentary of Manchester City, where uh, Vincent Company is actually in one of the chambers. Uh, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, I think it's him, and I think it's maybe Sterling, but they came out of the chamber, and they're like, oh! <laughs> it's, very, it's very, very funny. And the other thing was, he, the, the guy was obviously backroom staff, so he he was about, probably my height, probably, quite a short guy, um, and because he was backroom staff, he was um, slightly podgy, and uh, then you had Vincent Company, who was about six foot five, built like a, well, a proverbial <laughs> anyway. And, um, yeah, they were just taking the piss out of each other. Was, yeah, I remember that. It was very cool. <laughs> it was funny. I actually followed that. That was the Manchester City kit man. I ended up following him on Instagram. What a job he's got. <laughs> uh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But um, talking about sport, though, Craig, um, in my uh, previous role as PR manager for the Korea Tourism Organization. Um, one of the clever things that the um, Korean government did was to try and attract the, the, the you know, major sporting events um, in the world to the Korean Peninsula. And when I first started back in 2000, one of the reasons that, uh, that I took the job on was that um, two years henceforth in 2002, the FIFA World Cup um, would go to South Korea. And I thought, you know, it would, uh, not long after that, I would move on and whatever. But um, their appetite for, to try and keep on attracting the, the, the biggest sporting events in the world was a real uh, thread throughout my tenure. So I, I was lucky enough to work on the 2002 FIFA World Cup Korea Japan. Then Formula One went to uh, South Korea down in Yongam. Um, they had the World Athletics in Daegu in 2011. Um, and then they had the uh, World Taekwondo Grand Prix, followed by the Winter Olympics in 2018. So pretty much almost throughout a 20-year period, they had this uh, drip feed of um, global attention on the destination through major sporting events. And I know now there's going to be a big question mark about whether or not uh, destinations think that they can take the risk of you know, attracting major events. You look at Tokyo, how it's been delayed and how the population are currently saying, well, we still think it should be cancelled, but they're, they're pushing on through. So th there is a major risk nowadays about hosting such major events that, that cost billions to the host destination. You know, there is a return versus risk question now. But in my experience, um, 
it, it laid the platform for South Korea's mice market. You know, if you're able to arrange the biggest events in the world, a World Cup, uh, an Olympics, a Winter Olympics, um, then you can arrange any event, um, you know, that, that uh, companies wish to do. And, and that, that has really pushed them up the um, ICA standings. Um, so it's a very, very clever way of doing that. And, and I have some fantastic memories and experiences of, of attending um, the 2002 World Cup. What, one I want to share with you was um, when we were out there, I don't, don't know if you recall, but um, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland did quite well. Um, but before they actually um, uh, had their game with Spain, which I think it was a last 16 or quarterfinal game, I don't remember. But uh, do you remember Roy Keane had been sent home because he was saying the Irish squad isn't um, mm -hmm. particularly uh, professional. Um, and myself and a friend were, were in an area of Seoul called Itaewon. And they have these, uh, there was an Irish bar that we regularly went to. One evening, and this was literally three days before uh, the, the squad played the biggest game in their history. We went upstairs into this bar, went to the bar, ordered a pint. And then I looked round and uh, I saw Steve Staunton and uh, Robbie Keane and and I kept and the entire squad was in there. <laughs> U2 was blaring out. They had uh, each one was drinking three pint pitchers of beer, and they were absolutely partying the hell out of it. Now, the reason I bring that story up is about team camaraderie. Do you? you know does the team benefit from being allowed to you know let their hair down even during the tournament or was roy Keane essentially right and would they have progressed that's a question that um we can't really answer but but i think there is a lot to be said about uh, you know team camaraderie and and bringing the team together that was their way of doing it you wouldn't have found the brazilian team you wouldn't have found the the German team doing that, but that was the unique way that the, the Irish squad uh, did it. And I'm, and I'm sure that there's a, um, an Irish fan that is uh, out there and he, he is very thankful to us because my mate went back to the hotel to pick up his camera and he got in the lift and said to this Irish guy, um, by the way, do you want to go and see your national squad? This guy nearly fell over because he was a, an Irishman. And, and my, my friend said, meet me down in the lobby of the hotel. Then he took him back to the bar. He went in and, and again, nearly fell over because the entire Irish squad was there. So we, rest assured, we didn't have to pay for a drink for the rest of the evening. That guy was paying for them. <laughs> <laughs> I do love you on that. I, I've just finished uh, not too long ago, Alex Ferguson's book and that, uh, that, that actual... I suppose the Roy Keane incident's mentioned in the book, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to be said about... Um, the team building elements of going to uh, these events and whatnot, yeah. whether, whether or not when it comes to elite athletes in the uh, <laughs> latter stages of a World Cup tournament, there's a lot to be said about the, the choice of uh, activity that they took in. I suppose by that, by that point, maybe Ireland didn't expect to get out the group stages. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. They were probably already celebrating. Yeah, exactly. But, but the thing was, we all know Roy Keane is a winner through and through, so maybe... He was a little ahead of his time in terms of mentality, and maybe you're right. They, they could have managed that in a maybe in a different way, but you know, each to their own. The management of the squad knows best. So, mm -hmm. I think I was reading yesterday. Just um, Celtic's captain played his last game at Celtic Park yesterday, and they talk about him being a leader. He's been with Celtic for 14 years, and uh, there was a thing I was reading last night. And it was talking about Gary Neville and Paul Scholes, who have each got over 50 caps for England. And yeah. they, they spoke about Roy Keane being that player in the Manchester United team who got good players to be great. You know, yes. he lifted the other players around him. So um, it's this real essence of leadership. It's not um, having just your good. Uh, it's how you can make them better. Um, That's right. And that's like Michael Jordan. I read... Um, Oh, what's his name? The coach of the Chicago Bulls. I just read his book recently, Phil Jackson. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, great book as well. And they talks about Michael Jordan being this superstar, which he was, you know, and he went, you're, you're good, you know. And um, Michael Jordan was kind of taken aback by it. And 
basically was like, you'll become one of the greats if you can make everybody else as good as you. I bring them up, and that's and that's why Jordan became a, such a leader, and this is how yeah. Phil Jackson was such an important leader. Yeah, um, so you're totally right. That's why Alex Ferguson was was as great as he was, and he made Roy Keane his right hand man because he saw very similar traits about being able to elevate um, players that were fantastic, but he put them onto to a world stage, and and that's why that team was um, so successful. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but just going back to to those career stories, I mean, um, you know, they, the one thing about career, they managed to attract all of these major events. But in some ways, taking Formula One um, for example, that wasn't managed in the best way, to be honest, because they they took it away from being a city based, um, capital city based race, right down in the south of the country to an area that was hard to get to. Um, and and so the the Formula One, I think it lasted about four years, and then they pulled pulled the race. But um, many of the um, uh, you know the, the the manufacturers and the teams were put in these love hotels, which I don't think went <laughs> down particularly well. So they'd, they'd get to a uh, you know down in the lobby, and there'd be you know these machines where you were you were getting your prophylactics from, and God knows what else. So I think there were <laughs> a few complaints from. From the teams, just from that perspective, let alone having to uh, go all the way south to a, a sort of distant part of the country to, to race. It's essentially knowing your destination. Yeah, <laughs> it's like doing your research and uh, reading Rami's tips on, uh, <laughs> on his blogs <laughs> and his articles to find to make sure you're going to the correct places. Yeah. T- tell us a bit more about Tatcha, then the region, and well being and sustainability that you mentioned. Yeah, the thing about the Tatras Mountains is that, um, you know, everybody tends to, um, whether it's be skiing or, or summer mountain holidays, they tend to head to the Alps, of course. But there's this compact, you know, compact and beautiful area that um, kind of straddles Poland and Slovakia. And it's an area that, you know, is, is stunning. They have uh, 50 peaks that are over 2,000 meters. So as you can imagine, hiking, biking, um, skiing are, are the main main attractions generally. They've got 100 kilometres of ski slopes, um, 230 kilometres of groomed, groomed cross-country uh, tracks, 1,800 kilometres of hiking trails, uh, over 1,000 kilometres of bike routes. So, you know, just in breakdown of numbers, you can see how this, you know, the destination is is pulling in this new breed of healthy travellers. Even more so that they, the area sits on these geothermal reservoirs. So they've got thermal springs, lidos, water parks. So my job is really to um, push this sustainability and health and wellness type holiday. And I, it, it's not that difficult, really. Everybody's looking for it at the moment. The difficulty is knowing when the pandemic will allow travel to to come back in full and and once we get there i have the tour operators in place i have the uh the the suppliers in place all ready and itching to to welcome travelers back but it's a fantastic area and one which um is really feeding into many of uh, the contemporary trends and travel right now so we're expecting demand to to increase also, its location is so good because, you know, you, you've got Krakow is 140 kilometers away. You have Kosice, which is um, Slovakia's beckon, uh, second biggest city and has an international airport, is an hour away. Um, Budapest is 250 kilometers away. So if you wanted to do a, a twin center or a three center holiday, you can do it as well. So uh, there is much to be said about the, the Tatras region. And... Um, you know, I'm enjoying at the moment uh, promoting it. Massively, massively. And like, having travelled to Kakov before, I absolutely love the city. Uh, I've been to the Polish side of the Tatras as well and seen the mountains, okay. you know, so just a beautiful part of the world. And certainly the last year's brought a lot of well-being to the forefront and uh, certainly can see that as being a huge uh, decision in uh, travel going forward. And that absolutely. wide kind of green space that will allow the redesigning of the meetings the event yeah. design of meetings now having to be obviously um 
a lot more space, uh, space to get outside, clear the head. And yeah. I'm a I'm a big advocate of a uh, big supporter of making sure that people do get outside, and do take breaks, and do get away. So like the wellness and well-being, and it's just so so important for events going forward. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just struck me there when you were talking about the, the 1,000 kilometres of biking, I'm like so up for that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You'll have to get you'll have to uh, get Panoptic to create a, a sort of cycling incentive, and, and um, you you can be the guy to lead it. Well, listen, I've been uh, speaking to the Algarve uh, region uh, about uh, the cycling in the Algarve, obviously yourself as well, and uh, a few others through uh, like IMEX and. Uh, IBTM and Wild World and stuff. I've been yeah. talking to people about um, that side of things and finding out so much more. Um, Croatia, a lot of cool islands and a lot of uh, great spaces for it. So there's a lot of great areas for that. And I would encourage people if they're looking to wellness and well-being and uh, incentives, certainly to speak to Rami about Slovakia and the Tatra regions, especially Absolutely. with these great cities and towns nearby, you know. Yeah, and I definitely want to get you, Craig, in one of those uh, cryotherapy uh, uh, chambers at a mi- uh, minus 125. I, I, I want to see your reaction when you step in there. I've been, I've been having cold showers since I've been about 12, 12 <laughs> or 13, you know, so I know that's absolutely nothing compared to it, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared of the cold. I, I live in Glasgow. <laughs> Sometimes we can step outside and have our own cryotherapy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, but you know that that region as well has some quirky things that you can do. There's river rafting, um, which is followed followed by a goral picnic, which is sort of traditional singers in authentic costume um, that will serenade you during um, you know eating some some traditional and hearty uh, Slovak cuisine. There's also dog sledding, um, bear watching on bikes, if you can believe. Bear watching. Um, yeah, yeah. Me. You get up very, you get get up very early in the morning, um, and you cycle to this area where they have brown bears, and you can watch them in their natural habitat. I mean, it's quite rare, but um, it's it's an amazing experience, and and one which you can actually, you know, that it's an experience you can purchase and and be guided to this area. So that that's Ooh. very exciting, um, and even there is a um, at the top of. Lomniki mountain, which is um, the area's second highest mountain, they have a solar observatory. Um, so sometimes the scientists will be able to give your group a, uh, a presentation, which is pretty amazing because of the location. And there is even a two room hotel up there that, um, oh. you know, you could uh, spend the night at um, about 2,634 meters if you wanted. Wow. Biking to go and see a brown bear early in the morning sounds <laughs> like one of the most. I don't know if I want to say like piratey or like wild westy sort of things I've heard in a while, but it just sounds so ridiculously out there that I want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So you you'll come and do that, and I'll get Craig <laughs> in the cryotherapy, and uh, and then we'll go for a beer afterwards. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I might take the beer into the cryotherapy just to ensure it's chilled. <laughs> Sure. You'll come back Except... out with a frozen pint. That's it before we did that party. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, no, it does sound fantastic, you know, and uh, certainly one thing to look at going forward um, for the destinations, you know. If you were to give some tips, Rami, for people wanting to get into the mice market, uh, either in your field, like uh, as kind of destination journalism, like what sort of tips, what have you learned like through your career that would be like, say, three nuggets of advice that you would love to yeah. pass on to somebody? I'm, I'm a strong advocate like you are about networking and um, building a ecosystem of, of people that, that can help you through your career. So... I definitely think that that's one area that um, people can focus on, even if they are a student. There's there's associations such as uh, Meeting Professionals International, which accept students to come in, and they have regular um, uh, meetups where you're, you know, you could a student could be speaking to the CEO of a of a events agency or something, mm-hmm. and so building all of this uh, these connections can can help you throughout your career. Um, 
So that that would be one area. The other area is is to try and keep your finger on the pulse of trends as they move forward, because you can always um, you know adapt your career to the prevailing trends. And people are you know there's examples of people doing that all the time because of the pandemic, and they've kind of catalyzed that and speeded things up by um, changing direction when they've had to. So keeping you know up to date with with trends is an, an important one. Um, and the other thing is, you know, enjoying what you do. That is my number one priority is being able to, um, you know, if you're going to spend eight hours a day on something, make sure it's something that you, you, you find enjoyable. And, um, you know, that for me is probably the, the, the most important ingredient and will, will sustain a long career in whatever you choose to do, whether it be mice or leisure or business travel. Um, find something that that um, you know makes you tick. Massively, massively, and I think networking, trends, and enjoying what you do—fantastic tips there, Rami. You know, and yeah. I think certainly, uh, I certainly know your passion comes through. I know you love what you do. I've seen you do what you do. You know, and uh, yeah. in different parts of the world, and like that certainly comes through. You know, and and certainly keeping on top of sort of trends. Um, but Tarzan's uh, came in to Panoptic as an event designer and certainly one person that's very, very on uh, trend with uh, the event design process just now. Yeah. It's been great fun. I, Because I came in as a lighting technician from freelancing events, I, I didn't know as much about event design as some others might have, but a couple of weeks of researching later and I'm going, oh, the, this is stuff that I did already kind of know. And the the things that I didn't know, the the importance of touch and smell, especially within events. Yeah. Uh, I'd never thought about it before, but when I went to things like Plaza, which is a technical trade show, every stall I'd went to at that were like, yeah, no, play about with the desks, touch our stuff, feel the the equipment that we're putting out here, because then that then translates to more memories, more memorability, and later on down the line, I'll then sit there and go, oh, yeah, I played with that desk at Plaza. It felt really nice. How is it yeah. in the practical sense? And it, it keeps them in your mind. The scent as well, my God. Uh, I never thought I would have a time where I get to talk about the smell of a convention and it's not in a derogatory way. <laughs> it's as simple as the blog post I wrote the other day was, I started that off with the whole idea of you're walking past a bakery and you smell the nice treats that are inside and you weren't planning on going in but you go in anyway and it's that same sort of idea it might not be the reason or the end reason that you're there but just having a nice smell it's the same idea as when you're trying to sell your house have the smell of fresh 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 baked cookies i don't know what i was trying to say there with fresh <laughs> <laughs> but it's all of that it's a nice smell makes people happier makes your product yeah. more approachable more nice something like that i don't know the right way to describe it but it's all there it's all part of it and it, it's been so interesting and something that i three four years ago when i came out of college i never thought i would have touched yeah which absolutely. is it's 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 been magical yeah <laughs> not to I steal mean, disney's uh, tagline <laughs> so so uh, Craig, your your clients, um, when 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 they're on board, fully on board, and you're going to be organising events for them, there's going to be a whole different spectrum to the way that you uh, approach organising um, their events. You know, using all five senses and, yeah. and trying to make sure that 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 memory of of the event, uh, you know, remains strong. I know that that has always been part of the ethos of Panat panoptic which is telling their story yeah but doing it in unique and innovative ways is something that um i know you guys are, are always thinking outside the box i mean ever since i met you craig you know there's been one innovation after another to try and make your business better um and i've been super impressed by that and 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 i'm sure that um when you know all guns are blazing and you're out there um, organizing events that there are going to be some happy client clients with the way that you approach you know e each thing that you organize yeah thank you very much i appreciate that it means a lot um through traveling i've been learning from different cultures and learning from different events and the more and more i've been i've i've, I've been curious like you know i've um 
I think when I started Panoptic, I was bored of events I was going to and everything was the same. And we've all been in that boring conference with the same rubbish sandwiches and all yeah. that kind of things. <laughs> and, and the best thing about somebody's day, about the banner stand that they've had, and, you know, and, <laughs> they're very excited. And uh, when you go to... Lithuania is a great example. The games we were playing when we were running around the city, yeah. uh, all dressed in neon colours, you know, but like, <laughs> like fully immersed. Um, when I was at Croatia, watching a kind of back to front dinner, like, and I mean that we were sitting at a table and the entertainers came into the room, and then the door they came through suddenly was this gateway to another room, you know, oh, where brilliant. we were able to get up, and the networking element was just so good. So, we, what they did is they actually made us the event. Um, which was just fascinating and just when you see things like this I mean Rami the, the lighting show for the band member in Vilnius with the big circle oh yeah, uh, uh, oh, yeah. I've never seen anything like this Tarzan is a lighting design right they created this like imagine a halo but turned on its side like standing right. up right and basically had lights all the way around in a circle but they had it on a mirrored uh, stair, uh, stage and it was mm-hmm. a centerpiece right it was just an incredible centerpiece. The DJ was playing at the back, and then he moved out the way as the uh, band came on. And this uh, Lithuanian um, string quartet came on and played. And they just walked on. <laughs> I mean, they walked by, actually, me and Rami. They really walked, yeah. walked into us, but they were just so focused going to do this show. Um, and just played this set, and it was just like, wow. Like, wow. And it's like... As part of that, there was like cocktails getting brought around, there was canopies before the dinner and stuff, and the event design around it was just incredible. There was like low light, and there was this lasers essentially getting shown onto this uh, space, and just everything around it was just fascinating. And yeah, it's like, and, and that was in a historic venue. Yeah. So they managed to create that without touching any of the walls or anything like that, but they managed to create this this um, almost like rave environment. It was, it was mm. truly incredible. And can you imagine how much of that ended up on social media? So from, from doing an event um, in your home city, it, that suddenly goes global. You know, you're, you're throwing out loads of social media posts and these are coming from event organizers. So if they're impressed, then they're gonna tell their clients about it. So yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a fantastic evening, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think seeing things like that is what's just really inspired me and getting inspired from other people, getting inspired from other events and, and taking that element to what we're trying to do here and looking at that event design process um, like throughout, you know, and yeah. I think I think in terms sometimes in Scotland it's just been trying to convince people just to change a little, you know, and we're getting there and we're getting there and um, I've got a very more like kind of London mindset, Dubai mindset in terms of like what you see in these grand events. But how can we make that like Lithuania? Um, yeah. Like that was a very very simple but extremely effective way of looking at things. And it's just being curious, it's asking the questions, you know. And um, I suppose uh, moving on nicely to what we call is like Craig's knowledge bomb. It's another wee thing at the end. Mm. It's like it's being that one percent better every single day. Um, we've spoke about Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson today, and Alex Ferguson, and so many other things. And yeah. I think it's just how can we be one percent better? Like you know, and I was thinking about this in the swimming pool today. It's like how can we just do that wee bit extra? You know, each and every single day to improve. You know, and looking at your own things that you're doing, and how can we move forward? You know, and yeah. and it's when you see amazing things like this, um, which right away I'm like I cannot wait to get back to Vilnius, you know, and and be in that spa with you, yeah. Rami, and, and have a beer in the rooftop bar again yeah. and stuff like that. But these things and see these this incredible city, you know, and yeah. So let's look at that and like everyone just looking at the side to just be that one percent better each and every day, yeah, like you, yeah. do, you know. And and again, you even brought that back to sport and and keeping mind and body, um, you know, in tip-top condition. I think that that's a really important point as well, that everybody through this pandemic has, has looked at themselves and thought, well, I need to I- improve my own well-being. And, and now that has filtered through to all sectors. It's about mental and physical well-being. Um, and so destinations such as like the uh, Tatras region, um, you know, parts of Scotland, um, all different areas that that can even cities can offer, um, you know, health and well-being um, packages or incentives that that will in, attract this new breed of of uh, client that is looking um, 
or is listening to these trends and, and being able to filter them into their uh, uh, packages. Hugely. Go, gone are the days of waking up after a few hours sleep, getting a pretty fairly unhealthy breakfast and running to a conference or being yeah. last on the bus, you know, mm. and get into that space. It's like, uh, for me, that I would rewrite conferences and be like, encourage people at the start. Yeah, we're going on a bike ride at in the morning, not five o'clock in the morning, maybe half nine, ten, whatever, you know, let people have yeah. a leisurely breakfast, let's get them yeah. out on the bikes, let's get them in the pool, let them go and do the spa, the treatments, whatever, go and have that headspace, and then we'll talk in the afternoon, you Absolutely. know, and have a healthy lunch, you know, then we'll do some meetings, right, and then we go back out again, I mean, it's rewriting it, and a lot of people um, might take a bit of time just to kind of get their head around that, it's, um, yeah. people talk about the four day working week and I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss with a four hour work week and stuff but ultimately yeah. the techniques that are coming from all this is you're getting more productive and I, I we, we referred to uh, you called it the office earlier but we were calling it the boardroom like that idea of like, yeah. Yeah, that, that meeting of minds and talking about things that were going on getting to know each other but that was done in, in a spa you know and think about that and like okay there wasn't a swimming pool in that part but you could have been swimming you know you could have been yeah. doing something but what would have happened otherwise well i'd have went to my office to the, the desk up in the hotel room probably have opened up the emails or looked at trello but i'd have been doing work like yeah. you know whether it's productive you might have been checking on some things as well yeah. you know and then suddenly we'd be back out again but you were in a rush you know maybe you know you're, you're flustered whereas no let's go and talk you know Absolutely. just help. You know, and I think it just makes such a difference. And I think, like... Uh, to be honest, Craig, we probably wouldn't... Uh, our relationship probably would have been a bit different. Um, or at least we wouldn't have come up with so many ideas as we, you know, because we were so relaxed, creativity was allowed to flow. And normally at those kind of conferences, you're absolutely right, but they, they packed it in from 8 in the morning until sort of 6. And then, then you've got another schedule where you've got to go, go out to a restaurant or something, you know, they don't give any breathing space for the yep. people to network in the right way and, and you know, trying to think out the box when you network, whether it be yeah. in a spa or in, in a forest or wherever, it gives that little breathing space and, and adds a little bit of creativity when you do do that networking. And I, I think that's a really important. Massively, massively good point. And the other thing that there wasn't was any distraction. You know, um, yeah. it's not like when you meet in a bar, you're talking to people and you we could be having a serious conversation, but we've all been at the events where the, the serial networker who's not that great at networking, the guy that pushes a card into your hand, you know, yeah. comes and, and interrupts the conversation to try and sell something that nobody's interested in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but whereas having that kind of a breakaway at the spa, you're like able to actually converse, you know, and yeah, um, yeah definitely something in that as well. Is it time for Tarzan's tip? I think we'll go for it. Tarzan's tip. Still slightly comical, all serious. Always label your cables. It was something that I got <laughs> hammered into me at college. It's something that I have remembered every day since. The amount of times I've been under a seating bank or in a really tight space with multiple cables, all going to different places, but they all look the same. That's why you need to label your cables. It'll stop you from putting the wrong power outlet to the wrong uh, to the wrong plug it'll stop you from wiring up your dmx back to front i cannot tell you the amount of times that i've picked up a cable when oh this is the wrong end put it down picked it back up again i'm like damn it this is still the wrong end just label them tarzan's tip makes life I love easier that. i I'm, I'm gonna listen to these podcasts just for the tarzan's tip right on the back end <laughs> i'm gonna wait for it uh, and i Earlier today, I was I was asking how Tarzan got his name Tarzan. So he told me the story, and I'm sure he'll tell you at some point. But I think that's a, it's a, it's amazing. And anybody with the name Tarzan, it's like wearing gold football boots on a football pitch. You have to be bloody excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Tarzan has that. So yeah, he he's allowed to have that name, you know. Uh, I, I, I agree. <laughs> When he was, I didn't know that he was talking about that today, and I just looked down at my floor, and I'm going, right, okay, there's three black plugs there and a white one, and so I know the white one's a certain <laughs> kind of fruit-based product uh, that we all uh, have our phones, um, and the other ones I'm not too sure about, so I think uh, some stickers may be purchased. <laughs> <laughs> Never 
never mind stickers, get lecky tape. <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that didn't see that, I think we'll, we'll, we might repeat that. We're, we're, we're looking at, we're on a uh, call just now where we can see each other, you know, uh, the, 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 the remnants of the, what's happened over the last years as such. So I think, <laughs> think redoing that, Tarzan actually brought a prop to the table there and he had it on his hand already. It's, Not even. <laughs> it's, it's, genius. When, when uh, you've been teching for any amount of time like after a week uh electrical tape or as we know it in scotland lecky tape um it just materializes i have a stack up in my bedroom that's uh, about half a meter tall just of various different thicknesses and colors of lecky tape all at various different sizes of use i have this one here because <laughs> i have to tape up cables every now and then <laughs> Guys, thanks again for uh, inviting me on this. It's been it's been great and interesting, and um, you know, all these new forms of media are again the way forward. So I, I was happy to join you. No, I'm really glad uh, that you came on, and thank you very much for your support over the last uh, while as well. You know, it's been really much appreciated and uh, certainly helped. You know, and um, yeah. Rami, just uh, where, where can people read your articles if you just want to let people know? Uh, we'll obviously put some links into the uh, yeah. podcast as well. So if you just want to let people know where they can uh, can read about your brilliant destinations and the work you're doing. Yeah, well, they can either um, get linked with me on LinkedIn. Um, alternatively, I usually have an article in Conference and Meetings World magazine or Event Point um, International um i write for a number of other online platforms but the best thing to do is just to google my name and and usually various articles will pop up whether they be old ones or the latest ones but you'll you'll find some information or or general general you know stuff about me on online so just google me we will we will and we'll share the links in the uh, podcast link uh, that people can mm. go in there and see your brilliant writing um what wh when's the next event You'll be at, do you know? Um, well, I was hoping there was supposed to be a conference in Turkey at the end of um, end of July, and it was for the um, International Ecotourism Society. They've got this um, event happening in Tokat in, in, in Turkey. And, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I, I think I can make it. It's July, everything will be all right. But of course, at the moment, Turkey's on, you know, on the red list. So you cannot be sure of anything. And I thought that would be the first conference after a, over a year that I'd be able to attend. And, and I don't think it's going to happen. But um, so I'm still waiting, actually, Craig. Maybe Confex. Confex. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's happening at um, Excel in London in June. That's June, yeah. Um, that's a, a mash media event. Um, so that, that might be the first one that I attend, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm considering it. So we'll... <laughs> Well, well, hopefully, if it's uh, if it's doable, I'll be I'll be there. Cool, cool. We'll, yeah. we'll find out what happens after the, the next few weeks, and obviously the test event from Liverpool and stuff, and finding out what's going on. So we'll be getting that beer soon. Uh, just don't bring your uh, cryotherapy chamber with you to, uh, <laughs> to London. <laughs> Certainly no. But no, yeah. thank you so much. It's been great to have you today and some brilliant advice and tips and uh, certainly put a real uh, flavour uh, of like, places I want to go. <laughs> you know, yeah. Especially in terms of the Tatra region. Fantastic, you know. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Tarzan. That's been, uh, yeah, really good. Thanks for listening to the Event Makers podcast. If you have any suggestions for questions or anyone you'd like us to try and get on for a chat, send an email to tarzan at panopticevents.com or messages on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn at Panoptic Events. Thanks for listening.